hello everybody welcome to the latest in the aeon uk dc survey 2020 podcast series the series looks in detail at the key insights highlighted by the survey and we hear the views of aeon's dc experts on each of those elements of the report today's discussion is on the subject of fit for the future and i'm joined today by steve lee hello steve so you're going to talk about this particular chapter what's this all about well that's a good question so fit for the future is actually talking about adequacy and whether pension dc pensions are providing an adequate level of savings for people to be able to retire on as well as thinking about how much people have actually saved in their dc fund the chapter also looks at how schemes, how DC schemes are helping people to convert that to an income when they actually get to retirement. So are people able to maximise the the value they've built up and have that pension income that's fit for the future? Okay, so what are the headline findings then? So I think for me, the the most interesting finding was that everyone knows about contribution rates and how much they're paying in. But we find that two thirds of those running schemes don't know what a typical outcome looks like for a a typical member of the scheme. So although people are quite focused on contribution rates, on the scheme design, they don't necessarily know what their members are going to get when they come to retire. I always think if the people running the scheme don't know, how do we expect the members to know? Good question indeed. And so what are the risks, do you think, of not knowing that sort of level of detail? I think a big risk is that people won't have enough to be able to retire. So there's potential risk for the business, for the sponsoring employer. If they get to a stage sort of 10 or more years down the line where all their employees are trying to retire on the DC fund and actually realize there's not going to be enough and end up working longer. So it actually ties back a little bit to the research we did last year where we did um, a DC member survey And we saw that typical retirement ages amongst members was really increasing. So it gone up from around half of people expecting to retire by 65 two or three years ago to now half of people expecting to retire past age 67. And I think one in nine people said they thought they were never going to be able to afford to retire. They expected to carry on working until they dropped. So it's a real challenge. So it's all very well retaining experience and older workers which i think you know is very sensible for businesses but if they've got a lot of workers who simply can't afford to retire there's a big risk there for the business yeah it sounds almost like there's some degree of desperation perhaps amongst some dc members if they think they they're never going to see any kind of retirement beyond work so how can those people involved in running dc schemes find out what typical outcomes are well The first thing you probably need to think about is what's our typical employee? Because it's all very well saying, well, the outcome is going to be fine for company director. He's going to have more than enough to retire on. But actually, what's a typical employee look like? So in order to do that, you really need to look at your demographics and really get get a good understanding of your your sort of data, if you like, your, your scheme members. What do they look like? We've got tools like Aon's DC Analytics, which gets to the bottom of this and can help sort of generate one or more typical members because it might well be for a business, you have a a typical employee in X part of the business, perhaps in a manufacturing department, but a typical employee in a sales department looks very different. So the first thing you need to think about is what are the typical employees? 
and then look about what the outcome might be for these individuals. So looking at based on the sort of contribution rates, based on the expected investment returns, what sort of income do we think these people are going to be able to retire on on the current basis? And also, if you want to do it properly, you need to think about state pension and perhaps past service as well. People don't tend to have a job for life. So if you're looking at employees, you might need to think about what sort of pension they're like to have accrued prior to joining. And that way you can get a real picture for what's going to be the impact for your workforce. What are people going to be looking at when they retire or when are they looking to retire? And presumably in what form they take their benefits when they get there is another another question. Just thinking about contributions though, in terms of contributions made over, over time, clearly one of the key drivers of pensions uh, outcomes, along with obviously the investment performance itself, but what did the survey find out about trends in, in contribution levels? When we looked at the, the range of contributions, because we found most schemes around two thirds offer some sort of matching structure, whereby if an individual saves more into the pension, the company will pay in a bit more as well. So it's not necessarily one rate of contributions, but we looked at sort of minimum rates, maximum rates, and the default rate that people would go into if they didn't make a choice. What we saw compared to last time we ran this a couple of years ago was that the minimum rates and the default rates are definitely increasing. Not a huge increase, but there's a gradual increase in there. And I think a big driver of that has been the auto-enrolment legislation and the minimum required um, under legislation in terms of pension contributions. Um, But what we also found conversely is that the maximum rate available from the company was actually falling so there's a bit of a narrowing of the range available to people. And that might have been to offset costs, or it might just be the the impact of things like the tapered annual allowance and perhaps higher earners not being able to take advantage of higher company contribution rates. Generally, overall, we find less of a range than we have previously. So this might be people perhaps comparing and benchmarking themselves against their peers and we see more of a clustering around the middle now than and perhaps fewer outliers than we've seen in the past. Yeah, in terms of um, that sort of behaviour, um, one would have to sort of think that you're getting further away from something which is linked to an outcome if you're driving all your decisions around determining your contributions based on averages. So I guess that's a bit of a challenge for the industry to try and see through that a bit and try and untangle that a bit for people. Yes, com- completely. And it's getting out of that mindset that the the median rate is the right one. So what have you seen schemes that you work with doing on this particular subject? So I think the schemes that are really addressing this are looking at adequacy. So they're looking at the take-up of different contribution levels. So where they do offer a, a higher Um, employer contribution rate for people who save more looking at how many people are taking that up and if it's a small number trying to understand why that is we've actually seen some schemes defaulting people at the top rate so rather than historically people would be defaulted at the lowest level and they could choose to save more if they wanted to actually turning that on its head and putting people in the top rate and allowing people to opt down and that's been very effective at increasing contribution rates and therefore also increasing the expected outcomes for these members. We've also seen schemes, when they look at this, balancing any changes that they're looking to make against the potential costs for the business. So it's all very well saying, let's get everyone paying the most and getting the most from the company. But if the company 
have got some issues or perhaps trying to control costs, that might cause some challenges and some arguments perhaps between HR and finance. So it's making sure we understand what, what the objective is for the company as well as those running the scheme. And if the contribution structure as is doesn't work, then thinking about redesigning that and thinking about a design of contribution structure that works for all parties. Okay, so I've already mentioned this, but another important um, aspect is of outcomes is actually how they use their DC fund at retirement. So the choices that individuals have have clearly changed radically over the last few years since the introduction of pension freedoms in 2015. So is the survey showing any any signs of, of schemes putting in place solutions for members that tackle this? Well, sadly, not many. So we asked how many DC schemes had actually got some sort of default or preferred drawdown vehicle for members come up to retirement. Because as you say, since the pension freedoms came in, we're really seeing annuity purchase at retirement come less and less popular. So we expect over time, most members to want to use drawdown to access their money on a flexible basis, but to leave it invested for some growth. But only 34% of schemes said they got a preferred drawdown provider in place. But when we looked into that in a bit more detail, actually most of those, over 80%, were just using their current provider for accumulation as their drawdown provider as well. So there was no indication they'd necessarily done some due diligence to actually decide if that was going to be the best option for their members. And I think the challenge with that is as more people come up to retire with bigger funds, if they're using the provider's standard default drawdown solution, they would assume that's the one that the company or the trustees have checked out and vetted and is going to be the best option for them. But that might not always be the case. And so unless that sort of research and that check's been done, people might not be getting the best outcomes when they come to draw their money. And that's in stark contrast to the um, the regime that's in place already has been for a number of years for annuity broking, isn't it? Which has to go to the open market. So there are clearly risks of doing nothing as well as what you're saying. Yes, certainly. And I, I think a challenge has been that perhaps those running schemes see putting a drawdown solution in place as a risk. But I think turn that on its head, I think the bigger risk is doing nothing because I think that's where you're going to be more open to challenge from people who say you've been running this pension scheme on my behalf and you've done nothing for me when I've come to actually try and draw my money out at the end. And I think there's a much bigger risk there than actually just doing a little bit of due diligence and checking out the best options available for members. Yeah, in terms of does that go as far as to, as to include financial advice, for example, for those members? We are seeing more DC schemes considering uh, offering members financial advice. There are other solutions available as well. So there's the Aon Retirement Service, which is a solution offering guidance and online support and education for members um, and a non-advised drawdown solution, but also helping members recognise the value of financial advice. So I think that's that's always been quite a big challenge is getting people to understand that the cost of financial advice may well be worth worth their while in the long term in terms of actually getting a better outcome with their money. So we are seeing a lot more interest from schemes in, in either putting some advisor in place or putting some other support and solutions in place to help their members when they get there. But it's it's not quite gone as far as putting that drawdown option in place in many cases. Okay, and I guess in, in many cases, the schemes aren't mature enough to to have huge numbers going through that process at the moment. But it's, it's clearly something that's going to be a risk 
in the future. Just before we leave this subject, Steve, what are the three things you think DC schemes could be doing to make sure they are fit for the future? Okay, so my my top three takeaways would be, uh, number one, get to grips with your projected member outcomes. Actually understand what your members are on track for. Number two, check that your contribution design actually aligns with the objectives of all your stakeholders, so company and member aligned. Uh, and if not, do something about it. And number three, just do some due diligence on a drawdown provider and make sure your your sort of scheme members, your employees aren't aren't left on their own to their own devices when they hit retirement. Well, thank you, Steve. That's been really interesting. Great to talk to you as always. Thanks to all of those tuning in and listening to the podcast. And don't forget, if you want a copy of the survey, please do click on the link in the podcast text. Alternatively, you can email us at talktous at aon.com or contact your usual Aon consultant. <laughs> <laughs>